One of the things that uh, management experts recommend is that everyone clarifies where they're going, what it is you're aiming for, what are their career goals. Of course, this is the time of year when lots of people ask that sort of question. When they sit down and reassess their lives, think about their career goals and what sort of, and all that sort of thing. Well, I wonder how many of us have sat down over the last few weeks and thought about what our aims in life are, what it is we're setting out to achieve this year, what are the major and minor objectives in both in our business lives, our personal lives and our church lives. Or perhaps you don't think of life like that. Perhaps you just take life as it comes, one day at a time. Well, there's something to be said about both approaches. I am sure, though, that Jesus didn't think in this very 20th century way about his future. But he did think about where he was going and what he was on about. And in today's reading, we find out what sometimes is called the Nazareth Manifesto. That is Jesus' policy statement of what he is on about, his mission statement, if you like, um, made at the very start of his earthly mission. And he quotes from Isaiah 61 and immediately says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In a couple of verses, he sums up what his career goals are. But of course, they're not the standard garden variety goals, are they? I'm not sure that they would look good if you included them on your resume. Unless, of course, you're applying for a job, probably with Bob, in an aid agency or as a missionary. But for Jesus, they sum up what it is that he's about. Let's look at what he says. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus had come with a message that would be good news to all people, but especially for the poor. Why was that? Well, I imagine that poor people didn't get good news in Jesus' time any more than they do now. But in the kingdom of God, there is to be no favouritism, no prejudice against those who are uneducated or poor. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you will find time and time again the prophets railing against oppression and injustice. Why? Because, Jesus, because God is on the side of the poor and the oppressed. And now Jesus has come with a message of hope to all people, both rich and poor. Jesus' death and resurrection means that anyone can be part of God's people. All are called equally into relationship with God. 
Those of you that know me well know it's one of my big bugbears about the church, that we give such power to those who are at ministers. We we only need to uh, look at visit that the Pope, the energy that the visit of a Pope brings to to a country. Or if I may be so bold as to suggest, the excitement that a visit from a bishop or archbishop. You see, to me they are just ministers, a servant whose role it is to serve the church. The church is the one place where we should give no elevation based upon their job or their education or their wealth. By doing so, we reflect the structure of the secular society. And we deny that the gospel is good news to the poor. But then Jesus goes on to expand on this. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. In Isaiah, the idea was those who were in exile, who were stopped from joining the life of God's people because of their continued imprisonment. So to here, Jesus' context It refers to those who are excluded from the people of God, not because of a physical imprisonment, but because of a spiritual imprisonment. Jesus has come to release people from their bondage to sin, from their bondage to the past. The world is full of people who are held captive by the things that have happened to them in the past, by hurts and hates. And of course, All of us are subject to the bondage of bad habits and unhelpful behaviour that we'd like to get rid of. All of us are under the bondage of sin, totally unable to rid ourselves of those things that drag us down time after time. But Jesus has come to bring us release to proclaim to those in bondage that God has gained their freedom. One of the Bible's favourite words about what Jesus has done is redemption. That is, the buying back or paying a ransom for those who were slaves. Jesus himself says, the Son of Man came not to serve, to, sorry, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We no longer need to be in bondage to those forces that would hold us captive. Perhaps more importantly, we no longer need to fear death because Jesus has paid the ransom that sin demanded. We're now being freed and a part of God's people. Along the same lines, he says he has come to proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. These are those people who are blind not by lack of sight but because they live in darkness. As Isaiah says, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in land of dark of darkness, on them light has shone. The coming of the Messiah means the coming of light into a dark world. It means that those who previously stumbled in trying to follow the ways of God can now see clearly 
Jesus gives us a model to follow in what he says and what he does. He shows us how we can and should live under God's rule. And through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, God opens our blind eyes to see the world as he sees it. So we can see the poverty and oppression that Jesus came to release people from. So we can get things into perspective. So we can see through the lies and the deception that lie behind much of what we're told in advertising and the media. So we can see one another and ourselves the way God sees us. Finally, Jesus has come to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The law of Moses provided a jubilee year every 50 years in which all slaves were released. And Jesus has come to announce that that year has come. Not literal the 50 years, but the symbolic jubilee in which God will free all people who were oppressed in any way. Just as Jesus had come to proclaim release of those in exile, so here he proclaims the year of jubilee to release from slavery for all who live in God's kingdom. It is no surprise, is it, that these verses are taken up by Christians in part of the world where repression is widespread. It is the foundation for liberation theology because the gospel is all about freedom before God. But it's a message that could equally be taken up in our country where people are in the bondage to many things where people suffer from the sense of futility and loneliness, where suicide rates are on the rise, where people feel imprisoned in bodies that are wearing out, where selfishness is the order of the day, and yet people feel trapped by this attitude because it is so widespread. But the gospel proclaims freedom from futility and loneliness and fear of sickness and death and selfishness. The gospel brings a purpose to life. It brings us into a community for mutual support. It promises us eternal life and bodies that will never wear out. It provides a focus outside ourselves, a focus on God and his will for the world. And this is a message that Jesus has left us to pass on. If these verses form the manifesto for Jesus' life and mission, they equally provide a framework for our task in spreading the gospel. Everyone can contribute something. We can all be, we can all be examples of what the gospel can do for people. We can all live lives that recommend the gospel, lives that shine as light in a darkened world. For example, we can work at being people who are selfless rather than selfish, who are always ready to lend a hand 
to our neighbour and friends, both Christian and non-Christian. Perhaps more important, sorry, perhaps more importantly, ready with a word of comfort or encouragement when they are needed. We can get to know our neighbours, well, at least try to, so that we bring back some sense of community that seems to have been lost and that the gospel is all about providing. We can let people know in a natural way that we actually go to church. We can be ready to give answers for our faith that's within us, not in some deeply theological way, but as a natural expression of what's most important to us in life. Well, whether or not you're the sort of person who sets yourself goals for the year, it doesn't really matter. Here is a goal that every one of us is called to work towards being a part of and part of the body of Christ here on earth to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's what we're called to do. That should be our goals. Let us pray that God will help us carry on Jesus' work wherever we may be. Amen.